you ready to stand and sing in just a few minutes. We will be extending the Lord's invitation and giving you an opportunity, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, to do so. And uh, we would certainly encourage you to do that if you stand in need tonight or if you have gone to the wayside as Christians. You're no longer faithful. We do encourage you to think about your state, your spiritual state, and, of course, respond accordingly. If you people will pardon me, I'm going to come out of this jacket. Now, I'm not going to preach three hours by coming out of this by no means, but I've got something I want to tell you. Pulpits are hot places to be. <laughs> and, and Tony can attest to this, I know, and some others as well. It's a, it's a hot place. You know, I was thinking this morning, as Steve approached the, the podium here to speak, he just sprung up here like a little young rooster. And he's a lot younger than I am, I can tell you. It's, you notice how I got up here. Uh, there's a lot of difference. But nevertheless, he was able to do so. I appreciate so much the opportunity tonight. And, uh, you know, these elders are super good, I think. They have invited me to speak. And that's the reason I, I hold them highly. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we, there are people here that are much more able-bodied than I am to uh, preach the gospel, to teach uh, things pertaining to our eternal soul salvation. It's good to, good to see Tony and his family back tonight and, uh, of course, others that have been off on trips. And uh, so glad they made it back safely. And, of course, we've got others out right now. If I don't speak loud enough now, get to strain a little bit and hold your hand up to your ear and I can see you. And that way I'll know that uh, I'm not speaking loud enough. I'm a little bit hard of hearing. And that may be the reason I try to speak loudly. I learned a long time ago, when you're in the pulpit, if you see somebody that looks like they're straining to hear, turn the volume up a little bit. So that's what we try to do, is speak loud enough to... Uh, uh, ensure that everyone hears what's being said. Before we get into our lesson, I want to say something here. I have uh, in my hand a little publication here. It's called Seek the Old Paths. Now, you may be familiar with this or you may not be. I don't know. Uh, if you are, that's great. If you're not, we want to put this in your home. It's a free publication. Now, let me exp explain a little bit about this. It's a, it's a little paper publication that uh, Garland, Elk, uh, Garland Robinson is uh, editor of. He's the preacher down at Leona. And uh, he and I, along with many others, put out about 15,000 of these per month. Now, that's not many, really, compared to the number of people we have in the United States. Uh, I don't know how many people the United States uh, has in it, but anyhow... These go into the homes of many people, and it consists of real good articles. Uh, these are religious articles written by faithful gospel preachers and maybe elders and other people, and uh, it pertains, they pertain to things of the church, what's going on in the brotherhood, uh, things that will keep us informed. And uh, I think one of the great things about this, they are free of charge. They don't cost you one dime. And so uh, 
if you desire to have this, and I might add also, you can get these online uh, by just typing in Seek the Old Paths and follow the uh, information given there. And uh, if you give me your name and address, I'll be sure that this goes to the proper place and uh, we'll have you signed up uh, where you can receive uh, information pertaining to things of the church, things that are going on in the brotherhood. And brethren, believe you me, there's a lot of things going on today that ought not to be. A lot of uh, things being taught in the brotherhood. Uh, it seems like in spite of all that's being done, they should not be. And, uh, but anyhow, we appreciate good, faithful gospel preachers like Tony and others who are standing for the truth and for the elders here who stand for the truth. They stand behind the gospel when it's been preached. And uh, <clears throat> we really appreciate this. I love good, faithful gospel preaching. Now to the lesson. As was read a moment ago from Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 47, we find information here pertaining to the church as it had its beginning. There were multitudes of people, no doubt, that had gathered around there on the day of Pentecost, and they heard Peter and the other apostles preaching the first gospel sermon after the resurrection of Christ. And they were pricked in their heart and wanted to know exactly what they must do to become Christians. And brethren, this ought to be the first and foremost question in our mind today. What must I do as a sinner who is one that's not a member of the Lord's body? We ought to ask the question, what must I do or what can I do? We ought to run to someone that can baptize us into Christ, but... We need to know what we must do. We must understand the plan of salvation and I think know exactly what's going on in order to become a child of God. But nevertheless, this ought to be our utmost question. What must I do to become a child of God? Now, appreciate this young man reading the scriptures a while ago. And I want to read just a little bit here in regard to what was read earlier. It says, Then Peter said unto them, this is in verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized. Now he's talking to these, uh, these Jews that had been taught, or these people that had been taught here, uh, encouraging them and telling them what they must do to become a child of God. This is in regard to the question that was asked. If you go back up to about verse, verse 37, or verse 36, he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, notice the strong message that he presented to them. That they had, he made it known to them that they had crucified the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But now notice in verse 38, he said, But now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for or unto the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, you go down to about verse 41. Again it says, 
Then they, those that had been taught, they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, or teaching, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayer. <laughs> now, we're going down about verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Verse 46. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Now, these people in Acts 2 had heard the gospel. They had obeyed it. They realized that they were in sin, didn't they? And they wanted to, to correct the matter. They wanted to make things right in their life as we need to do the same thing today. But there was something behind all of this. We can see the church beginning to grow here. And we can read on through the book of Acts and we can see the uh, just hundreds and maybe thousands obeying the gospel on a daily basis. But yet at the same time, others were going, these people were going out and they were teaching and preaching and encouraging people. Now, the question that's on my mind, what was behind all of this? Why was the church growing so fast at the very beginning? I believe it was because they had a love for the truth. They had a love for lost souls. This is exactly, I think, what kept the church growing in the first century. But before we get into this, I want us to look at some things on the other side of the coin. Uh, for instance, uh, some things that will keep the church from growing. <laughs> you know, we can look around today and we wonder, well, why is the church not growing like it should? Now, I'm talking about the church in general. I've known, brethren, little congregations out in the country that have closed their doors. Why? Why have they closed the doors? Why have they turned the key and locked the doors? It has happened. I can name places right now, and I'm sure you can too, <coughs> that have locked the doors on the buildings. I believe it was because of a lack of love for the truth. We can go over to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. <coughs> Excuse me. And as uh, Christ was pointed out here in regard to the church at Ephesus, and you might want to follow along with me, and we'll point out some things. He says, Unto the angel of the church, in verse 1, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Notice verse 2 with me. He says, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience. Now notice he mentions three things here. He says, I know thy works, thy labor, and thy patience. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars or false, and hast 
persevered and hath patience, and for my name's sake hath labored and hath not fainted. Now notice, this was at one time a faithful congregation, wasn't it? A faithful church. They had been involved in all kinds of uh, great works. They had uh, labored, no doubt, feverishly. And they had great patience. They had persevered as faithful members of the body of Christ. But now, we can see in verse 3, our Lord saying, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Now, brethren, this is a fatal weakness of theirs. It says, I have somewhat against thee. Well, why? What do you have against us? We've been faithful. We've been involved in great works. We've been involved in doing all kinds of things that uh, pertain to the uh, a church and to the saving of uh, lost souls and trying to encourage one another to be faithful. But he says, I have somewhat against thee. Why? Because thou hast left thy first love. Now, we just said that these people at one time had been very faithful. But they were somewhat like, I guess, some of us are today as members of the body of Christ. They had uh, grown weak. They had uh, allowed themselves to slip back into the world they had no more love for the truth, no more love for lost souls, no more care and concern. They just didn't have the vim, vigor, and vitality that they had at one time. Did you remember when you first obeyed the gospel? I can. May the 8th, 1970. I think I'm remembering correctly. It's been a long time. You know how we are just full of energy when we first obey the gospel. We're willing to and ready to challenge the world, aren't we? I remember, I hadn't been a member of the church, but just a very short while, this man who was old enough to be my dad, I'm sure, uh, I wanted to teach him. He was a full-fledged Baptist. And I jumped in on him, and I tried to teach him, but he knew a lot more about the Scriptures than I did. Therefore, I was swallowed up by false doctrine here. But I do remember a man back a few years ago, I went to the doctor with Gene, I wanted to be macho, I guess. I wanted to give her a little support. And I went out there, and this older gentleman come in and uh, sat down right close to me. And uh, he began to try to talk to me about uh, some things pertaining to the church. And, of course, he was a Baptist. But immediately I began to try to explain to him and show to him the plan of salvation and the different verses of Scripture. And he finally got to the point where he said, uh, I know your doctrine. I said, sir, I don't have a doctrine. I said, that is Scripture. What you read is coming from the Bible. It's nothing that I've said in and of myself that makes it true, but it's what inspiration has pointed out. But the old gentleman said in a few months, in a minute, I'm not going to say anymore. I'm just going to be quiet. So he finally went on his way, and he was old enough, I guess, to be my grandpa. <laughs> but anyhow, we find that these people had left their first love. But notice again, we find a warning here in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and verse 5. 
Remember, therefore, from which thou art fallen, and repent, and do thy first works, or do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlesticks out of his place, except thou repent. Now, someone might say, well, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. This is true. He, he is talking to the church at Ephesus. But who was the church made up of, up of there at Ephesus? People like you and like me. They were individual Christians. They were people who had obeyed the gospel. They were people who had at one time been faithful to the church. But they had gone back into the world. They had left their first love. All right, let's uh, look at 1 Peter 2 and verse 17. We find Peter saying, honor, or honor all people, love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood, he says. Fear God, honor the king. Now, if we don't have love for the truth, you know what's going to happen. The church is going to digress. It's going to go back into the world, isn't it? And I often wonder, you know, back last year, I think it was, I spoke at a congregation on a Sunday night, I think it was, and I asked the church there, I said, where will the church here be in 10 years? What will be its status? Will it be a sound, faithful congregation of the Lord's people? I pointed out that chances are there are going to be other preachers that will come in. There are going to be... People move into the community. They'll place their membership there, and maybe some will become elders. They may not be as faithful. They might be off in left field on a lot of things. Where will the church be? Where will the church here be in 10 years? I think I know it's going to be sound and faithful because we've got some good, sound, faithful gospel preachers and a faithful, or faithful elders and a gospel preacher that stands for the truth, and we appreciate this. And we should hold their hands up high for being faithful and standing for the truth. But a lack of love for the church will keep it from growing. You take, for instance, when a child is born, I know that we have many young babies here, don't we? Uh, I hear one now out there. Went for a little, just a little bit. But anyhow, you know, we, we bring these little babies into the world and we nourish them and we give them milk and we try everything we can to make them grow, don't we? And uh, we want these babies to grow up and be full grown. And if they have the proper nourishment, they will. They'll someday become strong Christians or maybe gospel preachers or elders in the church. But you know, you have to work at getting that child to grow, don't you? This is what we have to do in regard to the church. We have to work and cultivate and sow the seed this morning in Bible class. Our teacher brought out the fact that, you know, that little mustard seed, that little bitty tiny grain of mustard seed, how small it really is, is planted. And then it grows into a large plant or tree. I don't know anything about mustard seeds or what kind of, of tree it grows into, but... It grows into perhaps a great big tree. And yet, this is like the kingdom, like the church. The seed is planted into the hearts of individuals. 
and it grows as it's cultivated, as it is nourished with the spiritual food. And this is the way it should be. All right, let's look at another one. Number two, things that will keep the church from growing like it should. Lack of love one for another. I think this is one of the things that uh, I don't see much problem with this today in the church. Uh, Maybe in some families there might be a lack of love for one another sometimes, but I don't see much of this in the church. I remember one time going to work for a little congregation way out in the country. And they were looking for a preacher. And I wish they had looked further. Because I went in and went to work and I found some problems that should not have been there. People, families, worshiping together and not even speaking to one another. They'd be part on this side and part on that side. Brethren, these things should never have been. And the sad thing about it, the church there was doing nothing about it. They were not trying to correct the situation. But nevertheless, it was there. A lack of love one for another will cause Christians to bite and devour. And may I ask you the question, will the church grow if we are biting and devouring one another? Certainly not if we don't have love one for another as Christians. Number three, there's another thing that will uh, hinder the growth of the church. (laughs) In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, we have, of course, the works of the flesh listed here. And if you think this won't hinder the church from growing, you get involved in some of these things. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, brethren, there's a great list of things right there that will keep not only the church from growing spiritually, but it will keep the church from growing numerically. It will keep us out of heaven, won't it? Being involved in these particular sins that he's talking about. And I think, too, one thing that would be good for all of us, and I like to sometimes to get uh, my W. Vines Expository Dictionary New Testament words down, and I look up words to get the meanings. Now, you can get an English meaning from uh, Webster's, but that may not be the word that we're looking for. Go to the Greek and try to find the, and you can find it, the meaning of these words as to how they're used. And you're going to see that they're used in various ways. Uh, It just depends if it's a verb or a noun or whatever, but nevertheless, you can, uh, you can educate yourself on this, but th- these, these things will keep us from entering into heaven, the works of the flesh, but now, because of time, let's go on, what's one of the things that would help the church to grow in this day and time? 
You know, I'm really concerned about the Lord's church this day and time. I want to see it grow spiritually and numerically. Uh, you know, you go off, you know, we might think, well, we've got 40 or 50 congregations here in Warren County and surrounding counties, and if you don't like going to church services here, you can go beyond or go somewhere else. But rather than you get off a little ways from McMinnville and Warren County, you're going to be lucky if you find a congregation of the Lord's people, and if you do, chances are it's not going to be faithful. They're going to be anti, or they're going to be out on the out in the left field somewhere. But we have to be very careful uh, in this respect. Developing love and respect for the truth will cause the church to grow. Notice I said developing love and respect. For the truth will cause the church to grow. In Acts 2 and verse 42, once again, we find there that uh, as Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, brethren, these people were involved, weren't they? They had care and concern for the truth. They loved the truth. They were working, trying to develop uh, these people that they might grow spiritually and numerically as well. Now, let me ask you the question. You know, I, I look occasionally on these boards at their attendance, and uh, I see great attendance. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't have no problems with that. And you can go anywhere, and you'll see numbers on the board. But the problem that I have and the thing that I am concerned about is like on a Sunday night. Now, I'm talking to a group of people here that no doubt are the most faithful ones. <laughs> and they are always present. But is it important to come back to worship on Sunday night? Is it important to attend Bible study on Sunday morning? And Wednesday evening, yes, it is. But, you know, some people have this preconceived idea that, well, you know, I, I just don't have no desire to attend morning Sunday morning Bible study. I don't have any desire to come back on Sunday night. I don't have any desire to come back on Wednesday night. Why, brother? Is there some physical problem that maybe, you know, keeps us from attending? Or is it a lack of love that we have for the truth? A lack of respect for the Word of God? I think sometimes it's a lack of respect. Uh, not that no one is sick ever, but sometimes people just don't want to come back on Sunday night and on Wednesday night as well. It's very important. <laughs> In Hebrews 10 and verse 25, the Bible points out to us that we're not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. But exhort one another, and so much the more as you see that they approach it. Now, some people will take issue with this. I've had people to challenge me on this. Oh, there's, this doesn't teach that we're to be back on Sunday night or Wednesday night. <coughs> Let me say one thing, and we're going to close here in just a moment. If the elders decide to have Bible study at 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, or if they decide to have Bible study uh, on 
Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock, would that make a difference? To some people it wouldn't, I don't think. <clears throat> but nevertheless, we, we have an obligation to the elders. We have an obligation to the church. And if we see that, if we're going to see the church grow spiritually and numerically everywhere, in and everywhere, we have got to work, we've got to work, we've got to work, don't we? We've got to work in the kingdom. And I appreciate so much all the efforts that you're doing here at, uh, at Bobby Branch and working. You've got a good VBS coming up. You've got works involved already and other things that are going on that I don't even know about. But nevertheless, uh, this is what our lesson is about, trying to encourage people to get involved more so in the work of the church, getting them involved, doing things that maybe they don't normally do, uh, you know, regardless of what it is. Some people say, well, I just don't have the talents. I don't have the ability to do such. You know, it might be that we say these things, but who knows? You know, great things begin in a small way sometimes, don't they? So this evening, <coughs> if you haven't obeyed the gospel, we encourage you to consider your situation and do as those people did in Acts 2. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, when the Lord gave the great commission to the apostles, he told these men to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now, I don't have any problem understanding that. I can relate to you some things, but back when I was growing up, I was involved in denominationalism. And uh, to the point that I could not even understand Mark 16, 16. I couldn't see that. I'd already been saved and I was baptized to join a group of people. But I was shown differently. And sometimes we have to be taught differently, don't we? We have to be taken aside and taught according to the Scriptures. Taught the way the Scriptures teach us. And what we need to do and must do to become a Christian. So we find that those people on the day of Pentecost, they heard the gospel, they believed it, they repented of their sins, they were baptized for the remission of sins. And brethren, this evening, if you haven't done that, we want to encourage you to obey the gospel. If you have erred to the wayside, you're no longer faithful. As I have told many, many times, brethren, this life is too short and eternity is too long. For us to go through it and lose our soul. Would you not agree? I, I think you do. If you stand in need tonight, won't you respond while together we stand and while we sing?